Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is James Pindras. James is the author of Between the Lines, a book filled with stories of good and evil, love and war, and a little bit of fantasy and magic. James, welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Thanks, Howard. It's my pleasure to be here. So I have to start off by sharing, I have been enjoying this book as an alternative to all of the news, whether it's, well, it's mostly all on the internet, whether it's the your Facebook feeds, your Twitter feeds, LinkedIn, et cetera. Right. And in my teens in the 70s, 80s, and I really enjoyed fantasy novels and nice development of characters. And so I really appreciated within Between the Lines some really nice characters that I was actually anxious to get to know about deeper than just the spoken word. So thank you again for coming on the podcast and you know sharing a little bit about Between the Lines with us. Can you perhaps share a little bit about how did you come to develop this idea for this particular story? I think it was in the early days of social media, and I'm not sure which platform it was. It might have been MySpace, for those people who remember that. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so it was one of those things where I just was trying to figure this thing out, and I saw a post from somebody who said, has anybody read a book where a character in the book falls in love with the person who's reading it? I'd read a book like that. And I thought, well, I would too. And so in my mind, it was kind of working over and working over. And I guess it was about eight years ago, I started writing something. I wrote a first chapter and a last chapter just to bookend it to see what it would be. And life goes on and you you just, you kind of forget about it. And so it was just recently when the college that I was working for closed and I was having a very difficult time finding a job because of my age. And somebody said to me, a friend said to me, you know, you've got this book that you've been looking at for eight years. Why don't you try using your creativity to do something there? Because looking for a job is just making you crazy. And so that's what I did. I don't know if it's because I've become more confident or if I've become, I don't know that I'm a better writer than I was back then, maybe, but all of a sudden this book started to flow out of my head into, into the page. And I've said this to a, you know another person. It's almost as if the book wrote itself in a lot of ways. So I don't know if it was me pondering it or it was just something now that I, I had the characters set in my head and it just went onto the page. You know, I, I appreciate that. And, and I have to share in, in the podcast we have recorded, I have heard that theme before, you know, when the I don't know how it would go. When the author's ready, the book will come. But it's like, you know, things are just working on upstairs and, you know, you're gathering information, ideas, and all of a sudden some event happens, whatever it is, you know, change a job, maybe other types of events. And then all of a sudden it's like now's the right time and the words just flow out. And that's that's a wonderful feeling. How long did it take you? Now, you said you wrote the first or drafted the first and last chapter, kind of bookended. What was the process of working through these chapters? I mean, what what was your day like or month like? (laughs) Uh, I think in all, it took maybe 10 months of writing it. And that was maybe, that was probably 
five or six days a week, four hours a day, because simply I really had nothing else to do but to look for a job. And you can only look for a job so so much during a, a particular day. I would typically go to a local place that sold bagels and pastries. And it, it's a chain across the United States, but there was this one particular table I'd always sit at. And it was kind of my little corner where it was, it was a little bit shaded, but you know, you, you got in there and it was the process of being around people, I think, that gave me the energy to keep going. Because if I if all I do is sit in my in my room or my little at my little desk here, it just you lose something there. And so you're looking around there and you're saying, okay, I wonder what that person's thinking, and all of a sudden something flows into the book. And so for me, I just had those two bookends. And in my mind, I kind of thought I knew where the story was going to go. I didn't outline it, which I know you're supposed to do. And I didn't do all those things that authors are supposed to do, but I just wrote free form. And there was a couple left turns it took on me that I didn't expect, but they made it into the book. And then you find somebody who's willing to read the book and who's willing, who's, who's well-read, who's intelligent, and who's willing to be completely honest with you. And so I think I would share three chapters at a time and I would get feedback from that. And then I'd rework it and then go on to the next three chapters. In the meantime, I'd be writing the next three chapters. And so it was just this process where I wrote the book and then it was just, you know, I had a couple of readers who read it and helped me polish it into the product that it is today. Had you had any help from other authors or uh, I mean, there's a whole workforce out there, people that help people write books or, or even copy editors, copywriters. Had you had any assistance there or did you use this cadre of friends, colleagues to, to help you kind of edit it and critique it? I, they were my, I guess they call them beta readers. And so they did that, but they also were very helpful with the language. There was a couple times where it was just this one little tweak that turned one chapter into from a good chapter into a perfect chapter. I found that to be invaluable, but I also took on the services of a professional editor as well, CJ Anya, and she's in Phoenix. And she and I just worked together very well. She, she'd have, she and I have the right personalities to work together to make the story into what it is today. In my biography, I write that I was that kid in sixth grade who never listened in English class. I was watching pirate battles out on the front lawn of the school while that was going on. So I, I never really picked up the finer lessons of punctuation. And I still don't know what a dangling participle is. And they keep telling me that what a passive noun is, but I can't figure out what that means. So it was a great help with that. And what I found out is I have three main Achilles heels is that I would use the word and and but to begin a sentence. And I found out that's nothing you should be doing while you're writing a book. But also I have this propensity to put the word that in to connect thoughts together that shouldn't be connected. And so when it came time to do the the final edits on the book, I think 90% of the things I had to do were the ands, the buts, and the that's. But she also, what she did was in my first two chapters, I really, I wasn't very satisfied with the way that I wrote them. I thought that maybe they're too long. They gave too much information. And she said, well, you're right. They shouldn't be in there. Just take those two chapters and make a two paragraph prologue which is what I did. And that kind of made all the difference for me getting a good start on the book. That's fantastic. And I I truly appreciate the 
you know, you sharing what would be considered your personal limitations or some of the blocks you have in figuring out ways to overcome that and bringing in a, a coach or a, a copy editor to help tune that up and to make those improvements. And I also appreciate, by the way, Jim, is the the bagel shop. And I, I'm, I'm thinking it either starts with a uh, P or an E, one of those two. It's a P, yes. P. And I, I have to share is, you know, I'm a, if, if you have awareness of personality theory, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing this podcast is probably the opposite of being an introvert, but that's okay. I love coffee shops because I can sit there and focus on my work, and it's, it's as though another part of my brain is having fun. It's aware of all the people that are around me, and which makes this coronavirus kind of a pain because we are stuck in our homes having a zoom call like we are having as we record this podcast is wonderful. Now it's, we get the human interaction. So it's a nice way to accomplish that. Well, there's a story that goes with that too, is there was one particular chapter and I don't know that you've gotten to it, but it's chapter 18. And that's a very difficult chapter. And it was a difficult chapter to write. It took me about five weeks to write that one chapter because it was, it was one of those left turns I didn't anticipate. And so I'm writing, I'm writing and I've got this look on my face and here comes this elderly woman up to me and she puts her hand on my shoulder and I've never met her before, but she puts her hand on my shoulder and she says, excuse me, Dia, is everything okay? And I said, yes, ma'am. Why do you ask? Because the look on your face, it's just so distraught. And it was because of this chapter, and I, I was just, I was feeling that emotion. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I kind of explained to her what I was doing. She goes, well, okay, man, bless your heart. And she walks away. But, you know, say what you want about Southern ladies. They're the bomb when it comes to coming up and making sure people are okay, because they just have no fear about that. They just kind of come on up and ask you what they ask you, and then, okay, and then they walk away. So I just found that to be kind of a fascinating thing. You're right. You just, you draw off that energy. And I'm a high-functioning introvert myself. So, you know, I can be around people. I like being around people, but there just comes a point where I have to, you know, I I can still be around people, but it has to be in a different setting. And so this was just the right mix of things. And now that I can't go there, (laughs) it's kind of, it's messing with my mojo a little bit. (laughs) I hear you. So let's talk a little bit about the book. I mean, Between the Lines, now... Right away, it was very obvious there was, there's a propensity for good and evil. It's very subtle, I think, at first. You have the backstory about the male lead character and his family and what they've gone through and how they're perceived in the, the greater community. You then got into the development of love and war, uh, also the fantasy and the magic, which I, I kind of enjoy. How did those three elements come into play? I mean, how did you start to kind of weave those three components together? Part of it was the story of Jacques, the main character in the book within the book. Part of that has to do with my childhood growing up. There was a point in my life where I was in an accident and I had this temporary deformity and I had to go through eighth grade year with that deformity. And so all these people before that, I may not have had a lot of friends just because I'm still a bit awkward about things like that. But 
all of a sudden, all these people who would at least sit at lunch with you would just ignore you or worse, they'd find an excuse to ridicule you for no other reason other than I had this thing that wasn't my choice and it wasn't my fault. And so that that social isolation, that 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 sense of being an outlier and that sense of, you know, and, and getting bullied for no other reason other than you're different, that kind of I hope that's a theme throughout the book because it's only when Jacques and Amanda meet is that they realize that they aren't these things that everybody else is saying about them. And it's only when they, they come together that they become stronger and they're able to, their, their lives get better as well as the lives around them get better as well. So it's, it really is just, it, it's a way to talk about what's going on in today's world without being overtly obvious about it. I hope that that comes through in the story itself. But there's there's different ways to talk about good and evil. I mean, there's these things that, like the bullying and all that, but then there's what we're doing to the environment in a way. There's also people who want to destroy you just because they want what you have. And so it just seemed like all of those elements fit together within this one story. Sure. Now, was there a book or a story that maybe helped to inform your development of your story? I don't know that there's one book. Certainly Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I mean, I spent, for a while there, I was, spent, I was reading that book, those books once a year. You know, I mean, I just enjoyed how Tolkien told that story and how he described these characters. Also, you know, I, I read Narnia, you know, once later on. I don't, you know, in the way I, this book goes, I'm not sure that it's just fantasy. I, I'm a big, you know, John Steinbeck is my favorite author. And when I want to look, I want to see what good writing looks like, I'll pick up one of his books and just go through it because he just has a way of saying things that you don't really, you don't really know that he's saying them until you think about what you, what you just read. And I think that's, the beauty of writing is that it hits you on so many different levels. It hits you immediately, but then there's a subtlety to it that hits you. It may even be a year down the line. You just remember that one part and you see how that applies to what's going on in your life. I wish I could credit one book to it, but I don't. That's fair. That's, you know, that's fair enough. It's just, well, I was kind of curious. The, you know, there's a lot of paranormal zombie apocalypse books that have are out there. A few of them have been on our podcast and one of them is magic. Another one is paranormal, really good books. I mean, it's like your book to me was like the perfect book. If we were during the holiday season, this is what I would be reading between Christmas and new year. You know, I'm curious too about the, you know, from the fantasy side of the book and the magic, I love the characters who are the woodland folk and the fact that, you know, the female character, Amanda has this, affinity for being able to perceive the woodland folk and, and the animals around and can actually learn to correspond with them. And it kind of reminded me in a way of Mary Poppins, I have to say with, you know, cause she can talk to the birds and all that. And so I digress. How did those folks come about for you? Well, it was really kind of one of my editors who was kind of talks to animals and whenever something happens, apologizes to the cat and can understand what's kind of going on with them. And 
that kind of drove that part of the character is that it just seemed to be a natural part of who Amanda would be. I mean, she seems so connected to the world around her that there needed to be another way to interact with it than just to walk around through the woods. I mean, the, the description of the woods came a lot from uh, my childhood going camping and up in near Chicago, there's a place called Morton Arboretum where I would always go and take walks and, and backpacking, things like that. So how then do I accentuate what you see with the creatures that live there? And so a lot of the, you know, the woodland folk, a lot of them are just what you would normally see. There'd be rabbits and deer and birds, but then you've got a French version of the Bigfoot and unicorns. And so it just seemed to me that it, it made more sense, especially back in those times, that people would see those animals or they, you know, you know magical creatures exist in a lot in a lot of ways. And so not everybody can see them in the way that people like Amanda and eventually Jacques do. They just looked at them as an animal as opposed to what, you know, how special this, this creature is. And so that seemed to make sense to me. And so it, that was one of the more enjoyable parts of the book because you could have fun with that, you know, when describing unicorns, well, they're not as nice as you think they are. And just kind of have fun with, with our perceptions of who these creatures were. And then I did some research about what animals, what mythical animals lived or that the French people in that time period thought lived around them. So I incorporated, incorporated those into the books so that it just gave it that more magical quality. Very good. You know, it's interesting with the, the coronavirus and the, the, the times we are living in right now as, as humanity is stuck quarantined in their homes, not only is the environment changing, towns and the smog has dissipated, you know, towns that that have probably never seen a clear day and mountains on the horizon now could see them. Animals that are hidden away in the forest are kind of exploring. It's just, it's just interesting. It's, it, part of the thinking is, you know, we've got this virus in some ways. I don't know, maybe humanity is the virus because all these, you know, these animals that we just don't see anymore are, are now suddenly appearing. So if you had a look back, what's your aha message for the reader? What do you want them to take away from this novel? I think originally there's so often when you're watching a TV show and the interaction between men and women, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, there seems to be this underlying level of competition with one another. Who's going to get what they want? And, you know, there's this show on, on, on one of the channels about they're looking at houses and which one are they going to get and who's going to have to compromise and who isn't. And I, I get competition. I mean, I, I, I've been an athlete for most of my life. I understand it. And I agree. I agree that in so, Certain levels of your life, you have to have competition. But in today's world right now, there are so many problems that we have to work together in order to solve them. There can't be, I get what I want, but you don't get what you want. There has to be, a, a, everybody puts their ideas on the table and either the best idea wins or everybody gets behind a, you know, a solution and works together to make that happen. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It doesn't matter who wins, what matters is things get better for everyone else. And so when I'm looking at the two main characters, and like I said before, most of their life they, they spent as outliers. 
right? They're, they're looked at as a bit weird. They're looked at as what the story talks about with Jacques. And it's only when they come together and they start to develop this friendship and they develop this trust and respect for one another that allows an interchange of ideas so that it's not you know, when she says something, he doesn't automatically change his mind to match what she says. She makes him think and she and he does the same thing with her. So there's this this growth as people and they still don't always agree on something, but they find a way to make it work so that the solution they come up with is works best for everyone. You know, one of my coaching mentors wrote a book called Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glazer. And she used the term called listening to understand rather than I win, you lose, but listen to understand and then come up with a solution that, that works. Now that this novel is behind you, Jim, is there a second part, this epilogue to this, a part two? I'm picking up where the last chapter leaves off. And I don't know as far as this goes to talk about what happens there, but the book passes on to another per to someone else, and then that person has their own adventure. Because every person who gets the book gets the book in the book, they have their own adventure, and that book changes to match that person. That's where it goes with it. I love it. I love that. One final question for you, Jim, is what lessons have you learned about yourself now as a, as a writer, a novelist? What would you share with others? I trust my voice more. Uh, there was a while there that, you know, I took a one-week seminar workshop that work paid for to learn how to become a better writer. And I learned about this sense of once. You know, every good fairy tale starts with once upon a time. And even this begins with once there was. And I, I think I've relied on that way to tell a story, to do a, a presentation, to talk about people in a very compelling way, but also allow people to see their vulnerable side. And I mean, that's, Lord knows, I've got plenty of faults myself. So I could draw on that all my life for, to finish up a book for characters, you know, but I think it, it it's really about trusting your voice and trusting in your ability to write, but also trusting the people that you bring alongside you and trusting what they say to you and you don't always agree with what they say. Sometimes they have to convince you in what their point is. But if they have a point, that's why you have them and, you, and that's why you listen to them. So it's really, I guess it would be summed up in one word. It's just trust. Trust yourself and trust those others that you trust to develop the story that you think is worthwhile reading. Fantastic. Jim, on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and to chat about Between the Lines. If our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? They can go to my website at jpindrisauthor.com. There they have, there's a way to get a hold of me through email. There's also links to the other social platforms that I'm on. And so you can go and look and see what things are doing. I'm also writing poetry too. You know, the poetry in the book is what I wrote, but I'm also looking at trying to post some of those things as well so they can see different aspects of me. I also have a story of my son's and my my son's first backpacking trip that I took him on to an island in Lake Superior. And so I'm developing that story as well. So as time goes on, there'll be more things to read other than what you're seeing about Between the Lines. Fantastic. And I have to ask, what island was that in Lake Superior? 
It's Au Royale National Park. I have always wanted to go there. So when you get there, let me know. No, I, I, that has been, I, I think I, we had shared you know, before we started the podcast, I grew up in Detroit and seeing Isle Royal there. And I live in Chicago. I was like, I would just love to go up there. If only for a day, take a ferry over, say I've been there and I'm done. It's a four hour ferry ride. So I, I would take the seaplane if you're only going for a day. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to learn how to camp. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that would be helpful. But you have a lodge, so you know. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, listen, Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I've been, I was worried about how I would stumble across my words here, but you made it very easy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with James Pendrus. James is the author of Between the Lines, a book filled with stories of good and evil, love and war, and a little bit of fantasy and magic. You can find Jim's book on Amazon, and we'll certainly provide a backlink to that page on Amazon, also to his website, jpindrisauthor.com, his social sites, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do comment on any one of our podcast pages on our website, successinsightpodcast.com. We have professional pages on LinkedIn and on Facebook, Success Insight Podcast, as well as our podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast, as well as on our Success Insight Podcast channel on YouTube. So great little book. You know, if you need a break from everything we're hearing in the news these days, this is a nice book to kind of curl up away wherever that might be in your special place for a couple hours. It's a nice read and really enjoyable, great character. So do take advantage of it. Folks, as we say every day, after every podcast, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day, be safe. And even in quarantine, let's still try to go out there. Let's make a difference as well. Okay. This is Howard Fox and you have been listening to the Success Insight Podcast. We'll talk to you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.